Amen. Good morning, Homestead Church. We doing good this morning? Um, I don't know if I should tell you this. We were, we were very close. It's nice to have the AC working this morning because at about 10 after 9, the AC was not working in here, and I was thinking... We're going to find out, one, one mention said, one person said, we'll find out who the devoted followers are if they show up without AC. And I said, I don't know that we got that many who are that devoted on a weekend like this. So it's great to be with you this morning. If you're watching online, thanks for joining us. We're going to continue and kind of wrap up a series that we've been in throughout the summer. And I know we've had several different of our staff members preaching, done such a great job talking about the gifts of the spirit, the spiritual gifts and the church. This series is called Grow. And as we have gone through the summer, and if you've been here every week, now first of all, has anyone actually been in church every weekend this summer? Aaron, have you really? We're gonna put you on staff or something. Like that is a Minnesota in the summer, way to go, Aaron. You've probably, I'm about to say something that you've heard many, many times this summer is, when we're talking about the spiritual gifts, we're referring to kind of two things, the general ways in which we all need to grow as followers of Jesus. So. In the New Testament, in a couple of passages of Scripture, it lists some spiritual gifts, the gift of teaching, the gift of evangelism, encouragement, the gift of um, giving and missions and all of these things. And so that all, to set the framework for all of us, is to, is to get us to realize we need, all need to grow in all of these. So, for example, if you say, well, I don't have the spiritual gift of evangelism, so I'm not even going to talk to any lost people. No, that's not the Great Commission. We all need to grow in that. But yet specifically in addition to the general ways that we all need to grow in all of these things we recognize that and what the scripture says is that god the holy spirit has uniquely gifted some people in certain gifts and all of us have received gifts of the holy spirit that kind of are ways over and above what the natural way would be that we are kind of it kind of captures our heart or we feel that we maybe have been uniquely gifted in a certain way maybe you think about uh, ways that when you're around people, you're like, man, I always just have a heart for the lost. Like, it seems like it's just burning in me. That would be a gift of evangelism. We're going to talk about that today. So again, with this gift that we're looking at today, there's the way that we all need to grow. And then maybe some of you today would be realizing, boy, this is a way that I feel like the Holy Spirit is really uniquely supernaturally gifting me. So we're going to wrap up the series with one final gift that we're talking about today. And then uh, Pastor Steve mentioned next week is Baptism Sunday, so we want you to celebrate with us. We're meeting outside for outdoor services, our usual service times. If you want to get baptized, we'd love to have you baptized. And then the following week is our annual Back to School Sunday. We'll have a great family service in here. Pray for all of our students going back to school and our teachers as well. And the parents will secretly be celebrating, yay, back to school. Um, and the kids will be taking all the prayer that they can get for the back to school week. And then following that, we're going to kind of apply what we've learned. The weekend after that, we're going to apply what we've learned um, in one way of finding ways for you to get involved in this church, but way more than that, really applying the gifts of the Spirit and realizing how can God use me in this church and in this community as well. So that's the next few weeks coming up. So today we're talking about the gift of mercy, gift of mercy. And I found a definition online that I really like. The spirit-given capacity and desire to serve God by identifying with and comforting those who are in distress. The Holy Spirit-given capacity for you to recognize people who are hurting and in need. And the desire to do something about it. The action to do something about it. This is the spiritual gift of mercy. 
Maybe you feel that. You, you feel like you always are aware of who's hurting. You can walk into a room and recognize they're having a difficult time. My wife can do that, and I'm, it's a, I'm oblivious to it. She's like, that per, you know, she's very in tune in the gift of mercy. Maybe you feel that way. The, the spirit-given capacity to identify and comfort those who are in distress. So we're going to get there in a moment, talking about specifically the gift of mercy. But I wanted to start by looking in the Old Testament a little bit. Every year, what I do at the beginning of the year is I try, I try, because this past year I, I'll explain. Um, <laughs> I start the year and I think, I'm going to read through the Bible this year. And so at the beginning of 2022, last year, I got this Bible and I started reading through it. And, uh, and sometimes I start at the beginning in Genesis and I go all the way through to the end. This pa- in 2022, I said, I'm just going to read a book and kind of jump around. And when I'm done, I'm going to check, check that book off in the table of contents and And so I wasn't, you know, I did not achieve my goal in 2022. So I got into 2023 and I'm like, I got to finish this up. And so over this summer, I've been realizing, okay, I'm, I'm, what books do I still have to read? And I looked and it was all this chunk of books in the old, I'd read everything else, but there was a chunk of books in the Old Testament and some of you are nodding and smiling. And I'm like, I haven't read those. And it was all what they refer to as the minor prophets. So in the Old Testament, if you know this, there's some books that are referred to as the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and then the minor prophets, not minor because they're less important, but because they're just smaller in duration. They're just shorter books. That would be kind of a downer. If you if you had a book in the Bible, it would be like if we had major pastors and minor pastors at this church, right? Like. Stephen Maxwell and I are the minor pastors, and Brooke and Christy are the major pastors, and we would all know that, right? We all know it. The minor prophets are just smaller, and these would be near the end of the Old Testament. So, like the, all the books after Daniel, essentially Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. Anyone got the books of the Bible memorized? Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, right? It's good. I earned my pay for this week. Um, so though, and I hadn't read any of those. So I'm like, okay, over the summer, I'm going to read through those. And I read through all the minor prophets. Now there is um, a context for all of these books. It's kind of in the timeline of leading up to Israel's exile. And if you're familiar with the Old Testament, you know this, but maybe you're new to this. In the, in the Old Testament, the Israelites had all their kings and then there was wickedness and idolatry and God kept warning them. Because of your wickedness and idolatry, uh, disaster is going to come. Judgment is coming. You're going to be conquered by an, a nation. And eventually that happens. Babylon comes in, conquers them. And this is the exile when the Israelites are basically taken into Babylon. Their temple is destroyed. The city is destroyed. And so a lot of the minor prophets, those books I just mentioned, are dealing with either the warning leading up to exile or during exile or the rebuilding that happens. So that's kind of the timeline that the Old Testament ends with is the exile over and people um, coming back to rebuild the wall. Now, if you read through the Minor Prophets, it's, it's actually a great reminder that it's so important to read like larger chunks of scripture and, and sections of the Bible because you kind of see a theme develop and you can see how things are connected. Some people have said they read a, a chronological Bible which takes all the books of the Bible and puts them in order of the events that took place. And so you're actually reading different books at the same time, but it's all in chrono- chronological order. It's so important for us to read more than just a little bit of a verse at a time to understand the context. Because when I read through the Minor Prophets, I recognized there was two main things that stood out. As God is talking about 
to the, to the Israelites. There's judgment coming. There's idolatry and wickedness. There are ways that you are disobeying God. I saw throughout all of those books, there was two really main reasons why God was sending judgment. If you want to know the ways that the Israelites were uh, displeasing God or rejecting God or doing things that were falling short of godliness. It was pretty simple. There was two themes that I saw throughout the minor prophets. And the first one was this, is that God was rebuking the Israelites for just a general spiritual apathy. Just, they didn't really care all that much about godliness. Like, you're getting half-hearted in your devotion. You're getting half-hearted in your worship. You are becoming complacent with sin and idolatry. When you're bringing offerings to the temple, you don't really care all that much about it. And the, in the Old Testament, God set it in place where you would bring the first and the best of the harvest to the temple as an offering. Or if you had a flock, you would bring the first and the best of the lambs. And so the Israelites were thinking, like maybe some of us would be thinking, like this one that I'm supposed to sacrifice in the temple, this one's perfect. I could get more money for this. This one over here's got like a missing eye and a weird third ear in the middle of its head. Like, let's do that one because we can't do it. And so they're bringing the lame sacrifices and offering that to God. They're, they're not bringing the best. And God is seeing that and he's saying, I don't care about the, I don't need lambs. I made the lambs. I want your heart. I can tell, you don't think that God can tell when his people are half-hearted and lukewarm in their faith? God is recognizing that. So why I'm mentioning this, and as I was reading this, it kind of jumped out. As we're talking about spiritual gifts, ways that God is equipping us to serve in the church and serve the ministry of the gospel around the world, the first step we all need to take is we got to make sure that we have hearts that are devoted to the things of God, not be like the Israelites who are just half-hearted and just like, eh, I'll go to church on Sunday, but that's about it. You know, I may, might maybe give something in the offering. I might be, maybe I'll... Uh, read the Bible a little bit and see if God says, you know, it's a half-hearted devotion. We have to care about this for the Holy Spirit to equip us and use us and for us to fulfill the Great Commission as we have been called to do. First and foremost, we got to care about it, right? It can't be just this lukewarm, half-hearted. You got to get serious about faith in your life, about sin and areas of compromise in your life. Don't let those things hang around in your heart. It's going to take you down. Be serious about the ways that we need to grow and repent of our sin. Be serious about growing in the word of God and in times of prayer. Um, there's a scripture that we read at, when we do baby dedications. I'll read a scripture from Deuteronomy where God is saying to the Israelites, these commands I give to you, take them seriously. Write them on your heart. In other words, make them a priority in your life. Keep them in your minds. Meditate them on them day and night. Talk about them with others when you get up in the morning, when you lay down at night. Be thinking about the things of God. This is the way that we take it seriously. This is the way that we care about the things of God. So looking at spiritual gifts, all of this has to happen within a framework of a heart and a life that is first and foremost devoted to the things of God. So if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, or maybe you're watching online thinking, all this talk about how the Lord leads us and guides us and hearing the voice of the Spirit and being gifted in certain ways, I don't feel any of that. Your first step is to make sure that you are devoted to the things of God in your life. Make it the first priority. Think about it. Talk about it. Meditate on the Word of God. 
So that was the first rebuke that God gave to the Israelites throughout the, those minor prophet books. And the other one, the other rebuke that God had for Israel was how they were treating others. You would see it over and over again, reading those books. God would even say, even if you get your sacrifices right, I don't even really care about that. When you're mistreating others, when you're treating others unfairly, when you're not looking out for those who are in need, isn't it interesting that um, I thought it was very interesting that Pastor Christie got up and shared during communion about how the, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament talked about this. It's not just about taking the Last Supper. It's about being in community, helping other people. So I love days like this where God kind of puts all these pieces together and we see a theme developing. And you're thinking, well, you, you and Pastor Christie obviously just talked about this yesterday and planned it. We didn't plan it, right? The other rebuke that God had for Israel was you're mistreating others. Your faith is not translating well into how you treat other people, especially those who are hurting, those who are in need. A couple examples from those minor prophet books. The book of Zechariah, chapter 7, verse 9 and 10 says this, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, render true judgments. In other words, be fair with one another. Show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, the, the immigrant, or the poor, and let none of you devise evil against one another in your heart. This is all in the framework of God saying to the Israelites, judgment is coming because you're far from me and you wanna know how to get close to me? Do this, treat others well. So often we forget that our faith is so much walked out and lived out in how well we treat other people. It's the body of Christ for a reason because God has designed it that we're going to show our faith by how we treat other people. In Micah chapter 6, 6 through 8, there's some verses here that you may be very familiar with, but it's another, the, the section at the start of chapter 6 in my Bible says, the indictment of the Lord. And in verse 6 it says this, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings with calves a year old, in other words, the best of the sacrifices? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression or the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? In other words, should I do all of these things to show my devotion to God? And here's what the Lord says. Has he told you, O oh man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. These are the commands of God. Even saying, I'm, even when you get the sacrifices right, I'm not impressed with all your sacrifices if you're not showing mercy and kindness to others. Now, if we jump ahead to the New Testament, Jesus taught about the gift of mercy as well, the importance of us being merciful to others. In Matthew chapter 5, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount, this is like the considered the greatest message of all time, Jesus starts out with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. And in verse 7, he says this, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I mean, this is Jesus starting out his top sermon. This is his great, these are his greatest hits. He's, he's coming out strong, right? With blessed are you when you are merciful to other people. Blessed meaning that God is dwelling with you. God is close to you. God is intervening on your behalf. You are close to God when you are showing mercy to others. So first of all, when you show mercy to others, 
the first thing that you're showing is that you recognize how much you needed mercy in your own life, right? Anyone recognize how grateful they are for the mercy of Jesus Christ? Man, when we show mercy to others, that first of all reminds us and we recognize and we show God that we recognize, man, I have been the recipient of so much mercy. Who am I to withhold mercy to other people when I have been given so much? And it might also, uh, actually there's a story in Matthew, a parable that Jesus talked about, Matthew chapter 18. Jesus spoke about this idea of recognizing how much you've received mercy. He told a parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew chapter 18, verse 23. Now I was going to summarize this. It's about 12 verses. I'm just going to read through it. Um, it'll be up on the screen in verse 23 of Matthew 18. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servant, servants. This is Jesus telling this story. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, a lot of money. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, have mercy with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of the pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, a small amount of money. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So this fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. And he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then the master summoned him, this wicked servant, and said to him, you wicked servant, I gave away the spoiler there, I forgave you and all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Yikes. That's a tough word, right? The measure that we show mercy to others is the measure that we will receive mercy from God. Wow, those who have received mercy, and really the point of that parable is Jesus is saying this, when you recognize that you have been forgiven a lot, we should not be holding, withholding mercy to other people. We should not be short on kindness and care for those who are hurting. We should never look at it with arrogance. Those who have received mercy should show mercy. And if you have a hard time empathizing or showing mercy with those who are in need, it might reveal that you've lost sight of the mercy that you have received from God. Maybe you've forgotten a little bit about how much God has bestowed mercy on you, and that's caused your heart to get hardened towards those who are in need. Or maybe if you are having a hard time showing mercy to other people, it might reveal that maybe you think for some reason you were easier to forgive than maybe some other people, right? Like, God, you only needed to give me a little bit of mercy, but all these other people over here, they needed a lot. That is arrogance. That is what Jesus is referring to in this parable. You have been forgiven much. Let us show mercy to those who are in need. The spiritual gift of mercy is compassion. It's empathy and care for those who are hurting, for the poor, for the sick, for the widow, for the orphan. And not just sympathy, not just feeling bad, 
but acting on it, doing something about it, having that burden in your heart to meet needs, to care for those people, to give forgiveness, to be generous with resources for those who are in need. So that's the general idea of mercy that we all need to grow in, right? Man, would it be great if the church of Jesus Christ was known first and foremost as, wow, they are kind and loving people. I don't know if you did a poll in Farmington, if you asked everybody, what do you think about the Christians? Some hopefully would say they're very kind and merciful. I don't know that that would be at the top of the list, right? We get known for being about all sorts of other things, all sorts of other agendas other than just being kind and merciful, right? We all need to grow in this. I want Homestead Church. We've had, over the summer, we've had lots of great outreaches and all the community gathered for our back to school and when we had due days the whole downtown area was filled with people in our community and i love moments like that where our church with our red homestead shirts can go out and just be the church and i want everything we do as a church to be covered with kindness and love and mercy so that when you talk to someone and you say what about homestead church man would it be great if they say wow they are kind people they're loving people. Yeah, we, we want them to know Jesus. We, wanna, we want the Holy Spirit to work in their lives. But man, first and foremost, we want to be known as people that are like Jesus, showing mercy and kindness to others. So all of us need to be growing in this. Amen? We need to grow in this, recognizing that we have received mercy and showing it to others. Now, specifically, in addition to all of us growing in this, some of, some of you are thinking maybe God has uniquely gifted you with a spiritual gift of mercy where you feel that in your heart like yes you're like ready to say amen and sign up and you're like let's go let's do it this is what i've been talking about for so long there are some in our church that have been uniquely gifted in the spiritual gift of mercy my wife pastor christy has the gift of mercy right she just is in tune with those who are hurting and those who are in need i have not received the spiritual gift of mercy to that level right so my one of my spiritual gifts is discernment and so those two things don't often work well together in a, in the context of a married couple because there are times there's one story before i met christy when she was much younger there's the family family was driving somewhere and i've heard this story a number of times and it was cold winter day and they pulled up and there was a man on the street corner just looking for some help and christy saw him and it was just like you know that moment where most people in the car, if you, if you have the spiritual gift of mercy, you know in those moments. And if you don't, you're the one that's like, I'm going to look the other way, pretend I don't see the, what's on the radio right now. Christy saw this gentleman in the cold and noticed, she's like, he doesn't have any gloves. His hands are freezing. And she's like, who's got, who's got gloves? And then her dad, Roger, was wearing these nice leather gloves. Like, Give me those. And she grabbed him and handed them to him. And then Roger was like, well, now I don't have my nice gloves anymore. And it was the spiritual gift of mercy in action. Um, since we've been married, I recognize the blessing that that gift is for our family. Because if it's left up to me, I can find reasons to not be generous and to not help. That's, that's one of the shortcomings in my faith. And so Christy, with her gift of mercy, she really helps propel our family forward in the area of generosity and caring for others. Now, there are times where my spiritual gift of discernment will come into play. And this happened several years ago where I'll say to Christy, she, was, she had helped uh, someone that she knew, and I said, Christy, um, that's the seventh time you've, you've helped this person, and each time the story has gotten more and more extreme. I think maybe she's taking advantage of you. Do you think all of these things maybe are made up? And she went, oh, 
you think that she would make up that story? And I'm like, uh-huh, like I really do. And so in that moment, it was kind of one of those, that's how the gift of mercy and discernment can kind of work together. Now, would I rather be our family be taken advantage of from time to time and err on the side of mercy? Of course I would. Of course I would. But this is how the gifts can work together. In our church, Pastor Stacy Montgomery, she was here last night. She's our care ministry pastor. She has this gift of mercy. Pastor Stacy is a much better fit for care ministry pastor than I would be, right? Pastor Stacy, she gets it. She can tune in. She's, she's got a sensitive heart. She can recognize when people are in need. She coordinates meals for people who had babies or hospital visits or going through hard times. Here's a plug for our generosity fund. In our church, you can give to what we call the generosity fund. If you want to give over and above your tithes and offerings and just keep some money in that fund, that goes to the people in our church who have a difficult time, who just need some financial help that we can help and say, hey, you know what? We recognize that this has been a tough thing. We recognize you need some help with this. We can help with that because of the generosity of the people in our church. So I want to put a plug in for the generosity fund. Pastor Stacy meets practical needs, benevolence, meals, hospital visits. But in addition to that, it's not just showing up with a meal. She's also a pastor. She prays with people. She follows up with people. She walks alongside people, how we can help. We need more people with the spiritual gift of mercy to operate like this. Pastor Stacy can't be the one coordinating all the meals and driving all over town. As our church grows, we want to have more of a team, and she's putting together a team of people that want to be involved in the benevolence and care ministry. We would love to have you talk with her, and we want people who operate in those gifts, not people who are hard-hearted like me and Dennis going up and saying, here's your food. You know, like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Dennis is a big softy. We get people who have those gifts, who operate in those gifts. We want you to find spiritual gifts so that when you find a place to serve, it's life-giving. It's like, yes, I love doing this. This is my heartbeat. I have ways that I serve that are my heartbeat. We want you to find places to serve that you enjoy serving in. What an idea, right? If you hate kids, we're not putting you in the nursery, right? Because we want it to be something great, another baby. Um, we want it to be something that you enjoy. So this is what we're going to do in the first part of September is find ways, not only in this church, but ways around our community that you can operate in the gifts that you have been given. So I want to mention something. As I talk about mercy, I always want to mention this because always someone will come up with questions. Because you think about mercy and you think about forgiveness and you think, well, this person who's mistreating me, I guess I just have to let them continue to mistreat me. That's not what mercy is. Mercy is not continuing to let somebody mistreat you. Mercy is not staying in a dysfunctional or abusive relationship because you're like, well, I'm supposed to just forgive them. And, and no, that's not it at all. You can have mercy and have healthy boundaries, right? I've seen this with parents whose kids are struggling. Eventually, they've said, we love you and we support you and we want to help you. But there comes a time where there has to be boundaries put up, right? There are times where you recognize you're in a relationship that is dysfunctional and you're like, I can forgive you and I can have a heart for you, but we got to have some boundaries or some distance in this relationship, right? There is choices that people make that are their responsibility and you can't fix them. Mercy is not codependency, but here's the deal. Even as you're walking through that and you see someone who has hurt you or you see someone whose lives are falling apart because of their choices, in your heart, you can love them and care for them. 
You can offer forgiveness. You can hold them in positive regard and want the best for them and be praying for them. Be there whenever they're ready to make some changes and come back. Not have a hard heart, not wish the worst on them, but want the best for them and pray for them. When I read those verses of Zechariah about caring for the poor and the immigrant, there's always groups of people or individuals that we think of and we think, oh man, they're hard to, I don't know about mercy. For, like we just think about ways that we are opposed to this mercy gift. Some of us right away when we think about caring for the poor in our country or the immigration issue, we go, we go cable news right away and we think, well, there's got to be boundaries, there's got to be this, there's got to be this. I'm not referring to like a national policy as far as the government for caring for the poor or immigration. I recognize that is complicated. But in our hearts as individuals, when we see individuals, when we see the immigrant or the poor or the widow or the orphan, our heart needs to go out and have mercy for them and find ways that we can help and that we can support and that we can show kindness. Our attitude towards the poor, towards the homeless, immigrant, orphan, widow should never be met with any sort of arrogance or callousness or suspicion. It should be met with mercy because we have received mercy. We bestow mercy on others. Mercy's got to be the markers of our faith. Mercy in our day and age where it seems more and more uncommon for people just to speak with kindness. Mercy and kindness and concern is going to shine like a light. You think people won't be drawn to the gospel of Jesus Christ when it's covered in mercy and kindness and forgiveness? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to close in prayer. And then I want to share a resource with you that I'd love all of us to participate in. So I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But let's close in prayer. Let's bow our heads. Holy Spirit, we are here in your presence, and we just ask that you would speak to us. And Lord, generally speaking for all of us, help us to grow in this. Help us to grow in our level of kindness and concern and mercy for others, especially those groups that you lay out so clearly in Scripture, those who are poor, those who are homeless, the widow and the orphan, the immigrant, those who are wandering and lost, those who are in need those who are at the end of their rope and they don't know where to turn, Lord, help us. And I'm praying this week that it would be an uncomfortable thing for us where we come in contact with people that we can show mercy to, that you would put feet to our faith this week, that we would respond in action and generosity and kindness. And Lord, for those who maybe are here today thinking that they maybe have this gift of mercy supernaturally given to them by you, Lord, I pray that you would stir that up that you would affirm that in them, that you would uh, remind them that you have called them to demonstrate this and to lead this body of believers in the area of mercy. So Lord, I pray that you would continue to help us grow in this. Give us wisdom. Give us guidance in how we can best meet the needs in our community. Open doors for us. I pray that you would uh, make this, help us make this one of the, the banners of our faith is just kindness and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, so here's what I want to do. There's a slide up on the screen with a QR code, one of those fancy QR codes. So this is a spiritual gifts assessment. You can scan that with your phone. It's also on our app or on a church website. It'll just say spiritual gifts assessment. This was made by a different church. We didn't make this spiritual gifts assessment. If you scan that, it'll take you to a website. 
it's basically going to ask you like 40 quick questions and on a scale of one to five you say this applies to my life this does not apply to my life and you can be honest you don't have all the gifts there's going to be some things that you're like that is not me at all standing up in front of people talking no that's not me you know you might think that now it's going to ask for your email address we both did this and we have not been email spammed with anything, right? It hasn't, we haven't been bombarded with emails from it. It really is just a way for you to start thinking about how God has wired you. And after you answer all these questions, it's going to say, according to what you answered, your spiritual gifts may be this. And it's going to list the top three. And it's just, it's not, you know, foolproof. It's not a hundred percent. It's not, but it just gets you thinking, oh yeah, this does actually makes sense. Oh, I would enjoy serving in this. Oh, I do have a heart for lost people and evangelism. And all these gifts that we've been talking about through the summer, that you might look at that and think, oh yeah, God might want to use me specifically in this area. So I would love it if all of us would do that. And again, you can find this on our website or you can scan that QR code or you can look on our church app. But what I'd love to have us do is all do that over the next few weeks, just be praying about God, how do you want to use me this fall at this church? and in our community. And then we're gonna talk about more specific ways that you can plug into the life of this church when we get into September. Sound good? Awesome. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like prayer for something, we'll have some prayer team members up front. We'd love to see you next weekend for baptism weekend. God bless you. Have a wonderful weekend.